I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. From cranberries to cows and everything in between, this is Forward Farming. Hey guys, welcome back to Forward Farming. You are getting a solo episode tonight. Uh, Becca, she is at the state fair all weekend and she kind of gave me a heads up uh, beforehand that she was probably not going to be feeling well (laughs) today. It sounded like she had a long weekend. So um, she is taking the night off. Tonight is Monday, August 15th. So holy cow, uh, where did summer go? I feel like I, I know we said this before, but time is just flying by and kids are already going back to school. And I can't believe, I can't believe it's end of, it's, it's basically fall, like happy Halloween, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah. See you next year already. Like, holy cow. Um, so today I, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the cranberry industry, Wisconsin cranberries. Um, and kind of what we're going through as an industry and some of the cool research that we're doing right now. Uh, because last week we had our annual summer meeting and our annual summer field day, which is pretty cool and something that I always look forward to every year. Um, so before we get into that, how the heck are you? Um, I'm, I'm doing well. I feel like now that I kind of have the majority of my summer taken care of, I can relax a little bit more, which is nice. Uh, like, like we talked about with our Door County trip and in like the Jimmy Buffett concert that didn't happen, which is a bummer. I'm still a little upset about that. And, uh, my trip out to Connecticut, like all jam-packed into one week, that was, that was so incredibly stressful that everything else just seems like a breeze. Like this is, this is no big deal. I'm, I'm planning Porter's birthday party for Saturday already. And I'm like, ugh, it's so easy breezy. It's not, it's really not. So we're doing a rookie year birthday party, which I'm excited about. So everything's kind of like baseball themed and I bought Okay. I, if you're new here, I'm, I'm not the best in the kitchen. I'm not a great baker, but I'm trying to be, I'm trying my darndest to be little Susie homemaker. And, um, I, I, I want to make Porter his, his smash cake because I don't want to like spend a lot of money on a cake that he's not going to remember. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to make my own for him. So a couple weeks ago, I baked a cake as like a trial run. I got just like a white cake mix and I like found how, uh, how on TikTok, obviously, cause that's where all my recipes come from now. I found how to make um, just a box cake taste more like a bakery cake. So I added like sour cream and I substituted this for that and like all these other things. And I was expecting it to be amazing. And like, it turned out pretty well. And I was really proud of like how Um, I did the frosting, like I put down, um, I did a two layer cake and then I made my own buttercream frosting. And then I like mix some strawberry preserves in with like the in-between layer of frosting to like make it fancy. And I bit into it. Like I gave a slice to Dan. He's like, I don't, I don't know what am I supposed to be tasting that's different about it. So then I got kind of like bummed out. I'm like, well, screw this. I'm just, should I just make a box cake? Like I want this to be special, but I don't want it to be like a $90 cake that I spent at a bakery kind of special. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be a good mom and 
well, it doesn't take it any different than like a regular box mix. Well, shut up, Dan. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that was mean. I'm sorry, Dan. Um, but <laughs> uh, now I'm I'm trying to change things up. I'm trying to stick with the baseball theme. So I got this half a sphere cake pan and I'm going to try to make it look like a baseball to stick with the theme. So this week I'm, I bought a yellow cake mix instead of a white cake mix. I think that was a downfall the first time. Cause like white cake, cake mix doesn't really taste like anything, even though I added a bunch of vanilla to it, it still kind of just tastes like a white cake. Like there's nothing to it. So I'm hoping this yellow cake mix, I hope this is a game changer. So I'm going to try to do a test run of this just to see how long to bake it for in this half a sphere. So it's literally like half a circle, but not like the flat circle cake pan, like a normal cake pan. It's like an actual like sphere, half of it. <laughs> so I'd figure out one, how to have it balanced in my oven without it tipping over. So I think if I take a ring from a jar, like the like a canning lid. If I put the cake pan in that in the oven, like on a cake pan, hopefully that will hold it up enough in the oven without it tipping. I hope. So I'm I'm kind of nervous. I'm I knowing me, I'm so nervous that I put things off. That and this is this is one of my not so great traits. If I get really anxious or nervous about something, I did this when I was in school too. I compared myself to a fainting goat because if I get too worked up, I'm just going to put it off until there's no other option than to just do it. So if I had like a big paper, so I had like a 10 page paper, I wouldn't do it until like two hours before it was due. Like if it was due at midnight, I wouldn't start until 10 o'clock at night and I would nap up until then. Cause I'm like, you know, what? I'm kind of tired. Maybe if I take a nap, I'll wake up fresh with brilliant ideas on how to finish this 10 page paper. And it usually worked kind of <laughs> C's get degrees. Um, so tomorrow I'm just going to sit down and do this because it's a cake. Like no one's Porter's not going to tell me if it tastes bad. Porter's not going to tell me like, Oh, I can't taste the difference between this and like a regular box mix. <laughs> Uh, so if it's like a little overdone or whatever, he's not going to tell me. And if I burn it, it's going to be covered in frosting. So no, hopefully no one's going to see it. So what's the worst that could happen? I'll keep you updated. But, uh, if you could send all positive vibes my way while I try to make this cake, that would be greatly appreciated. And there's a chance of rain on, uh, the party day too. So, uh, if you could just pray to the rain gods to either make it rain Friday night or wait until like later on Saturday, that would also be appreciated because we have kind of a small house. I don't know how we're going to fit all these people in our house if it does rain. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what's on my agenda this week. I have some other fun projects that are kind of on the back burner that, uh, working, working in silence on, which I'm kind of excited about. Uh, hopefully I won't keep you guys in the dark too much longer on those. Um, other than that, that's, that's kind of my week in a nutshell, just just cleaning the house up, making sure it looks nice for family. And uh, I, uh, I heard this audio on TikTok. I'm just gonna, like all these things are building up uh, to Porter's birthday and just like so many flashbacks of last year. If you missed my birth story uh, on, on Porter's arrival, uh, go back and listen to that when you feel like it, if you feel like it. Uh, it the podcast 
came out, I want to say in September last year, it's called don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and die. Um, so if you want to hear that story, go nuts. Um, but it's, it's like a, a lot of bittersweet memories coming back with a lot of, a lot of happiness and a lot of sadness coming up. It's like, he's not a small baby and he like outgrew the newborn size so fast. I feel like I, I literally went to sleep and woke up and he's, he's wearing 2T clothes. And I just told Dan today, I'm like, I feel like he's 10 pounds heavier than he was yesterday. I don't know what happened. We, well, I do know what happened. We started him on uh, milk. We started adding milk to his bottles, whole milk. And I feel like he's just so much bigger now, <laughs> which is hard to believe because he's already so big, but I just, I, I feel like I don't even remember what it's like to have a small baby. And it's like, oh, oh, now I understand why moms are like, oh, I'm ready for another one. And he's not even a year old yet. I don't want another one right now, by the way. Like, but I can understand why that would be uh, a thing. <sighs> anyway, I'm just kind of rambling on, but there's a lot of emotions going into this. And, and today during Porter's nap, I was on TikTok and I heard this poem about your baby turning one and like I I just had a full-on cry session while Porter's sleeping in my lap uh so I'll probably be making a video using that audio so if <laughs> hopefully I get you guys to cry along with it too so if you're listening to this and before you watch this video make sure you be like I warned you I warned you if you see Porter's birthday reel come along uh if you're sensitive like just mute the audio because I don't want you all to cry, but I kind of do, you know, <laughs> I want you to hear it. So, you know, like it, it, it gets you, it gets you right in the feels. Um, so anyway, enough, enough about Porter and his birthday coming up. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the cranberry industry. So <laughs> hard left turn, uh, last week, uh, like I talked about before we had our summer, summer meeting and in, in our summer field day. So we have two annual meeting meetings um, every year for the entire state of Wisconsin, the entire, all of the cranberry growers get together. And uh, it's, it's really nice because you see a lot of people that you don't see very often, like from all across the state, obviously, duh, Amber. <laughs> so there's people, there's growers from like up north, like in Manitouish waters, which is like way, way up north. There's growers from the Wisconsin Rapids area, the Toma area, um, Cranmore area, kind of all of like West Central Wisconsin. And then there's a few, which we see more often, but like the growers from up north, we don't see very often. So they all get together in one location on a marsh. And there's like this host marsh. We did this um, for our centennial year on our farm. So back in 2018, we hosted the summer field day and it's a big, like, it's a big deal to host this. You have to get your entire property looking pristine because everyone wants to see what's going on on your marsh. Like everyone, like farmers are nosy people. I don't think that's a secret. They want to see what you're up to, what your property looks like, what your equipment looks like, what your shop looks like, what your toilet water looks like. Like they just want to know everything. Um, and which is great because I'm nosy. I want to see what other people are up to. So I get it. And, uh, there's just a lot of making sure that like all of the weeds are pulled, like all of your grass is perfectly 
manicured. All of the gravel is looking great. You know, like it's a big thing. It's a lot of work that goes into it. And um, there's a bunch of vendors that come and set up as well. So like equipment vendors, uh, crop insurance, uh, there's like uh, people there who rent bees, bumblebees, honeybees. Uh, Let's see what else. Ocean Spray is there with a booth testing out like new products that they have coming out. And uh, they had, oh, quick sidetrack. Ocean Spray had this immunity juice that uh, they were sampling. And it was really good. It was cranberry, blueberry, and acai, (laughs) acai, whatever it is, that little thing. Um, it was a really good blend. So if you happen to see it was in like the single serve juice bottles. So if you see the immunity juice, you should definitely try it because I, I want to, I want to swim in it. It was so good. Um, let's see, what else did they have? Um, yeah, just like a, a bunch of different equipment that, that we use and we kind of modify. So you get to deal with a bunch of different sales reps and and that kind of thing. So just kind of like mingle your way around and introduce yourself to different uh, different people, like um, different new uh, like egg solution companies. So where you get like your fertilizers and, and your chemicals and and stuff, you can meet with them. And and so if something were to ever happen, like this happened to us a couple years ago, um, we had this pest. Um, that we haven't had for a really long time that just suddenly showed up the week that my, my parents were on vacation. So I was kind of in, in charge of like the ordering of, of things, if this were to ever happen and it did big time. And my dad was gone and he wasn't going to be back before this could get taken care of. So I went to our local, uh, co-op where we usually get our stuff from. And I said, I need, I need X amount of this uh, pesticide to treat this insect because we're coming up um, on our deadline to apply things before harvest, our pre-harvest intervals. Um, And she's like, sorry, like there's a lot of other growers that need this. If you would have come to me a couple hours ago, I could have got it for you, but I can't get it to you for at least two days. Um, So I was like, okay, well, I'll get back to you. So I called my dad. And, um, he's like, well, you need to call this person instead. And we had never worked with this person before. We had just met him, um, a couple of times at this field day. So we kind of had a a brief relationship. So when I called him, I'm like, Hey, this is Amber from, from here. Uh, we need this. Do you have it? And he's like, yep, I've got it. You need to come right now though. Cause I've got growers coming in, needing it too. So if you can be here before we close, like it's all yours. I was like, great. So I had to drive, it was like a two hour drive one way to go get it, I think, and, and to zoom back home. And thankfully, ever since then, um, we've, we've built a really great relationship with that company and that salesman. So he knows if we ever need something in, in an instant like that, we know he's going to have it. Um, so just building relationships like that is really important at these, at these meetings and also to build relationships with other growers that you can, that you can call up with questions. So say, you know, um, we had a funky, like if we had a funky spring, we can call a grower 20 miles down the road and be like, Hey, we're experiencing this. I heard you're, you're going through something similar. What are you doing to help treat this? And then they can give us their feedback. We can kind of share uh, what we're doing, how we're doing it, um, which is really great. And a lot of us in this area, 
if you're new here, I don't like to say where I'm from. I, I think there's creepers out there and I don't want to give them that information. So I'm not trying to be, I am trying to be vague. <laughs> so if I'm not saying where I'm from, if you haven't figured it out by now, I don't want you to figure it out. <laughs> Sorry, no offense, but um, I like, I like my privacy. So anyway, the area where I'm from, there's a, like our marsh is kind of like the home marsh for this, for our town. Um, so back when our marsh first started, it was one family, right? And then uh, the family, there were, I don't know, a couple of sons. I don't know exactly. And I don't want to make it up and, and tell you guys lies. That would be rude. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of sons and one daughter. And they all really love working with cranberries, but they just didn't like working with each other. So they split off. Um, one son stayed on the home property and worked with his dad. And the other kids built their own marshes um, right around us. So like if we look directly to um, the the south side of our property, we have two of those um, sons that built right boom, boom, right next to us, uh, just to like the east of us, there's another one right up the road to the west, there's another one. Um, so literally, we're all family, as most small towns are. So, um, which is really nice, because if we need to borrow water, uh, so like all of our, our ponds, or our reservoirs are all kind of connected from one water source. So like this summer, when it got really dry, and we weren't getting a lot of rain, we kind of needed to really be resourceful with our water. So if like, um, like if, if one pond was getting too low, we needed to move water, we'd have to call up the neighbor and be like, hey, we're going to be moving water, just so you're aware. Um, but it's more, more so if we get too much rain, I guess, and our ponds are really full is when it kind of becomes an issue because we don't want to flood out our neighbors by pushing so much water through um, into like their ponds that it starts to overflow. So we need to call and be like, hey, just so you're aware to rearrange, like we're going to be moving water if you need to rearrange things to, to make room for this water. Um, so everyone, everyone in the cranberry industry in, in Wisconsin is super friendly with each other in that sense, um, because most of us are, are kind of related <laughs> in one way, shape or form. Uh, so that's why, uh, when, when I started dating Dan, I didn't have to like do a background check on him to see if he was related to me because he came from a couple towns over and there are no other Bristow's in our area. So I figured he was probably pretty safe <laughs> to bring into the gene pool. Um, anyway, getting, getting back to the field day. So it was really great. Uh, just seeing everybody. Um, we got to see people from like, uh, upper like ocean spray come in, they flew in. So we got to see some of like the big wigs come in. Uh, I got to talk to them for a little bit. Um, there was a grower that, that flew up from Chile because uh, they grow cranberries down there. He's one of the growers, I think the main grower. So he came up to see some of the Wisconsin growers, chit chat, see and fill us in on what things are like down there. Um, it was all just a great time. And, and this year it was really cool because for the last five years, the Wisconsin State Cranberry Growers Association um, bought a marsh five years ago in kind of like a central location for, for a lot of growers. And they, they bought this property and they're turning it into a cranberry research station. Sorry, I have to blow my nose real quick. <laughs> don't mind me. I don't know what it is when I talk too much. I, uh, 
I start to get a little snuffly. So I'm sorry about that. So they built, uh, they started building this research station off of an existing marsh that was in operation for, I don't know, at least 25, 30 years. I don't know exactly. It was, it was an established property. Um, so they bought this marsh and they are essentially using it for, for research, obviously the research station. Um, so we, like the Cranberry Growers work pretty closely with the UW Extension Program. And there are scientists, there, researchers who, because cranberries are such a specialized crop, there isn't a ton of research around them like like there is with corn and soybeans and a lot of other row crops like it's just so specialized that not a ton of research has gone into it on how to grow them and kind of how to maintain them best to their abilities like we have a general understanding obviously but there's so much more fine-tuning that we could do to kind of further our sustainability efforts so for instance um, one of the research that's being done is to see how cold the vines can get in the winter before we need to flood. So maybe we don't have to flood quite so often and use and pull water quite as much as we do already. So say it gets to be like, uh, I don't know. So let's say, talk about like with our frost protection, let's, let's, let's do that. So let's talk about like frost protection. So we use our irrigation, our running irrigation to protect the, the plant from freezing temperatures. So we have temperature probes that are scattered throughout the marsh. And when those probes detect temperatures lower than a temperature that we have set programmed into the radios that are attached to those probes. So say if it gets below 34 degrees, the, the radio will call our cell phone and be like, hey, it's, it's below the temperature, start your irrigation. So that running water will protect the, the buds from freezing. So even though like it might get to be like 19 degrees that running irrigation, that energy from the running water protects the plants from freezing and, and dying basically. So even though there might be ice forming on top of the plant and the fruit, um, that running water, the energy created keeps that warm enough so it doesn't freeze. So now maybe instead of having our temperatures set at like 34 degrees, for frost protection, maybe they can get down to like 27 degrees. I don't know. I just made that up, but maybe they can get a little bit lower so we can save on water during irrigation. Um, but like as growers, we don't want to do that experiment ourselves because it's our crop. If we, if we don't think that they can get that low, just based off of like personal experiences, um, we're not going to do that testing ourselves because we don't, we don't want to freeze our crop off and, and ruin everything. So let's let the researchers do that on a controlled environment. So that way, if they screw up, they're not really losing money off of it. They can just report back to us and be like, Hey, we found that, you know, they can get down to this temperature and, and still be fine. Um, which is really cool. So the way that they're, they have it set up out there is really interesting. So they have, they just built this big uh, shed type building and they have offices and labs in there um, and like a big conference area. So when you have events like these, the growers can have one spot to kind of have a meeting in and kind of all be in like one common area. 
the researchers there um, because they're driving from Madison. So they're driving probably two hours to get to this, this property. They can go in, they have an area to do um, their research. <laughs> they have computers, they have um, labs, they have like every, like a full lab. It's really cool, like a chemistry lab. Um, they have like a big freezer. So if they need to like put the plants in the freezer to, to do a controlled temperature um, type thing, they have that available to them. And like, it's, it's huge. It's this big building full of like things I never thought I would see related to cranberries. Um, and then down in like the actual farm, like the actual like marsh area, they right away um, when you walk in, there's are the established beds are still there um, getting a crop off of them. And in, in those established beds, like since there's already like weeds and, and uh, already established pests in, in there, that's kind of where they're doing their new like herbicide um, insecticide treatments. Um, because uh, if, you're, if you're a crop farmer, I'm sure you know um, like all of the new, the new bands that are cracking down on chemicals. Um, like that we're allowed to use. And especially for cranberry growers, we have just a few handful that we can use and a lot of them, and some of them are being taken away, which is gonna be very hurtful for us. Um, and, and I don't wanna say that to like scare you as a consumer because these, these chemicals that we are applying, um, we, we, it's all very controlled. So we know what we're applying in correlation to like our harvest states. So they have, um, if there's any residue being left on the fruit or on the, on the plant, there's a certain amount of days that it will hang on before, you know, it's, it's considered safe to eat again. And we're very mindful of those, that timeline. Um, so at a, as an extra precaution and I'm, I, we'll talk about this in a future episode. I have it all planned out. We're going to be talking to um, one of our crop consultants from Ocean Spray, who's going to be kind of diving into this a little bit more. Um, but we have to send in like our, our full reports to Ocean Spray, our handler, whoever your crop handler is, where you send your fruit. We have to send in our reports with the dates, the exact amounts that we applied everything, um, the wind direction, the weather, the temperature, like we have this detailed report that we have to fill out and send in to, for us, Ocean Spray um, before we can send our fruit into them. And if they see like, oh, you applied this on this day, this was too close to your harvest date when you sent the fruit in, we can't accept this fruit. So they'll actually pull that fruit, um, from you and dump it. Like they'll, they have to like clean the entire tank where all of the fruit is being dumped after harvest before it gets processed. They'll, they'll clean the entire, um, pool out, um, and, and you don't get paid for the fruit that you sent in. So we're obviously very mindful of what we're applying when we're applying it, if it's safe, you know, all this other stuff, it's, it's safe, obviously, otherwise it, it, whatever. Um, so they're testing out new, anyway, jumping back to it, they're testing out new products here. And it was really exciting to hear that they have some, um, something in the works that is soon to be, um, that we'll have within two years that can take care of a lot of our, our weeds, our troubled weeds and grasses that we struggle with. Um, because if we have too many weeds, obviously it's going to suffocate out the vines and we're not growing, we're not here to grow weeds. We're here to grow cranberries. So anything that can help, um, 
stifle those weeds out would is is going to be a game changer for us and and without you know fewer weeds results in fewer fewer insects as well so win 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 um so they're testing that out in small areas and it's it's crazy how controlled they're doing this so all the fruit that they're testing like these these new products on um it doesn't it doesn't get they have to hand rake it. It's like a controlled area. So it's all hand raked and not included in like a big harvest, like what we're doing. So it's all very small. Um, so they'll test down a small area first. And then if it like is okay with cranberries, because like a lot of the stuff that again, other row crops can use, we might not be able to use for us. It might be bad for our plant. It might kill the plant where it could be really well, do really well for like corn. It might not be the best for cranberries. So everything's labeled differently for, for us. Um, so they have a couple of control beds, um, and then in, in that sense, and then they also are doing, um, this, this camera work, which is kind of cool. It was a, um, a new, a new project that we just passed through the Cranberry board that we gave funding to researchers for, um, it's called a raspberry Pi camera, which sounds a lot more delicious than what it is. <laughs> it's it to put it in like layman's terms it's basically just kind of like a trail camera <laughs> that that they have uh, that researchers have set up um, to take pictures of the vines a couple of different times throughout the day every single day so you can really see the growth and and change every single day um, from like the start of um, when the vines start coming out of dormancy in the spring until right up until harvest so you can see everything changing so you can get a better feel for like what your growing degrees days are like um if you have a like a, a cold freeze one night how it how the growth changes um compared to like the next day if it's really warm versus like a colder evening you can kind of get a feel for if that changes the growth and you can kind of see that through pictures which will be really helpful and then it'll be also helpful to kind of explain the different stages of growth during growing season. So kind of seeing the buds starting to swell and start forming the blossoms and then see the blossoms turn into fruit after that. So kind of seeing that whole process, which you might not be able to see unless you go out and check your beds every single day, because it's kind of like a blink and you, you literally might miss it, uh, if it if we have warm weather, which is kind of cool. It was, it was kind of like that this year, we had such a warm uh, we had a pretty warm spring. So when things started growing, like they really started growing. So then they can keep that for further research and compare that to years past and see like, okay, here's what was happening on July 17th of 2022. This is what was happening on July 17th of 2021. Um, here's what it looks like in 2023 on these days. See just a difference and why there might be such a big difference if it's all weather related. Um, or if it was because you're applying different fertilizers, like there's, there's a whole bunch of factors and why uh, things could be different. So um, they, they also have that set up. And then what's really cool is they have um, an entire bed. I don't remember how, how big it is. It's a pretty big chunk. I want to say it's at least like three acres and that entire bed is made up of different varieties of cranberries. Uh, so they're testing out different varieties, um, 
and it's, it's, it's crazy because they have different plots. Like it, they have small individual plots for every single plant. And I want to, I don't even know how many individual plants there are. It's a lot. I have a picture of it, um, that I can share on my Instagram. Um, but they're just like a three by three plot. And there's just one, <laughs> like one plant in the middle. And then you can kind of walk around and see like this was, this was pollinated with this variety. And this is what the vines look like compared to this variety that was mixed with this variety. And like the leaves are different. The fruit looks different. The, the, like the vines themselves, some are thicker and, and longer and have longer runners than others. Um, and it's really interesting just to walk around and see the different variations um, of these different plants, because some of them grow a little bit taller. Some of them grow longer. Um, some of the, the leaves look like they're more of like a heart shape compared to a long oval shape. It's wild. I'm probably like, I'm sure you guys are listening to this and being like, oh, this is so boring, but I think it's interesting. Um, so they're trying to find um, different, just different varieties that, that suit their growers needs. So for us, our varieties, um, kind of like the biggest difference, they all base, all the cranberries basically taste the same but the varieties differ um, for us. The biggest thing is kind of like at their harvest interval. So we have an early variety that is ready to go in September, kind of like mid-September. And then we have our standard varieties, which are ready to be harvested in like the beginning to middle of October. And then we have our later varieties, which are ready to be harvested in later October. So the fruit themselves have like different hardiness rates, like hardiness levels. So some like the early varieties, they don't need as cold of temperatures to turn a deep dark red color that the later varieties do. And we base our harvest times off of the fruit color. So if we have a lot of white fruit, um, we, we won't get paid the same as if we have like that deep cranberry color that you're used to seeing. So uh, just because the fruit isn't red. So like if you go to the store and buy fresh fruit, fresh cranberries, and you see uh, some green fruit in there, that doesn't mean they're not ripe. They just weren't exposed to the cold weather uh, to turn them that deep, deep, dark red color. So it still tastes perfectly fine. It's just, it hasn't had enough cold yet. Little fun fact. Um, so there's, there's an area for all those different varieties, which is bananas. And then um, another really cool area um, they have three or four smaller beds, like maybe a quarter acre. And they have this, they have individual liners, uh, underneath the sand that they're built on. So, which apparently it's like a pool liner, like a plastic liner. Um, and, and on those beds, they are testing, like the water retention. So say um, they want to test, oh, I don't know. Like, I think for this, they're going to be testing um, like the cold hardiness of the plant so that maybe they'll flood one for like two weeks and then, and then the bed next, so they'll hold the water there for 10 days. And the other one, they'll only hold it there for five days. And then another bed, they're not going to put any water in it. And with those liners, you're not going to have any runoff water between the, amongst the beds. So like in a normal bed, if you just put water into, into one, it's going to bleed off and go into like its neighboring bed. So with these liners, it's going to keep all the water into one area 
and, and not allow it to pass through the rest of them. So it's very precisely controlled um, beds. And, and so say when we're flooding in the winter, um, if we leave our water on longer than we typically do, is that gonna, how is that gonna affect the vines when they come out of dormancy? Um, if we don't put water on, how cold can we get those vines before they start to freeze off and, and show signs of stress or, or start to die? Um, so those are really important uh, experience, experiments that, again, we as growers don't want to do ourselves, but the researchers, they can do that. <laughs> it's, it's okay if, if they freeze those vines off um, because, again, they're, they're not getting paid for that fruit, whereas we are. Um, so we're really excited to see some of these studies that they're doing um, because they, the researchers work very closely with the growers. They hear our concerns and they find a way to make studies to help us, which is huge. And um, we also have meetings a little bit after harvest. I want to say it's in November where we get together again and, and voice our concerns and say, okay, like we see you're doing research like this, but uh, this was kind of a problem area for us the last couple of years. How can you help us in this way instead next year? Um, so we can get that research done and start making changes for ourselves. And a lot of the times it's, it's just how to be more sustainable. What can we apply in less amounts to fix this problem? How can we not use so much water, even though it's all being recycled? Um, how can we make more, how can we make more precision um, applications? How can we, how can we more precise with our resources? It, in Cranberry growers are, are such resourceful, sustainable people like farmers. We're always trying to improve what we're doing now because again, like we all, like a lot of, a lot of cranberry growers are our families. They're multi-generational. It's hard to find like first or second generation cranberry growers. We're mostly third, fourth, fifth, seventh generation out here. Um, so there's, and, and we all live and work on the property. We all live and breathe and eat this crop. Um, and, and there's a reason why we've been around for so long. Uh, it's because we've, we've always been very sustainable in our efforts and we continue to make conscious efforts to be even better than we are today. And I give, I give, I'm going to, I'm going to pat ourselves on the back um, because it's, it's great. It's, it's crazy to see, you know, we might not have like all the cool technology that a lot of larger crop farmers have, but we're doing things in our own way that work best for us. And I think that's really cool. Um, so, so that being said, um, I want you guys to feel safe about the product that you're consuming from us. And I, I kind of want to brag about the cranberry industry. Like it's really cool. And it's, it's so, um, specialized that like, if you're not a grower, you're not going to know about this kind of stuff. Um, but if you guys are interested in hearing more about the research center or just more about the cranberry growers association in general, let me know. I, kn I know some people, I know some people who I could, I could ask to come on the podcast to talk a little bit more about it. Um, I talked, like I said, to our crop consultant from Ocean Spray. He's planning on joining me for an episode in September when his schedule calms down a little bit and we can talk a little bit more um, 
about conventional farming versus organic and, and why it's not such a scary thing. So if you have questions or concerns that you would like to know for that episode, uh, feel free to shoot me a message over um, on, on Instagram is probably the best place or Facebook. That's fine too, over at Cranberry Chats. Um, I'd love to take those questions and, and talk to a pro because I want to make sure that that information comes off as uh, professionally as possible. And I want you guys to feel safe with your choices that you're making um, when you go grocery shopping. Because like, as, as, as a millennial mom, I, I sometimes question what, not sometimes, I question what I buy for myself and for my kid now who's eating real food. Like I question like, oh, this, this isn't, is this safe for him? Are there, are there extra hormones? Um, and I know I talked to Becca about maybe bringing a, a dairy vet onto an episode and talking about like antibiotics um, with milk and with your meat and all that other stuff. So we can absolutely talk about that. So if you have questions for either of us um, regarding that, feel free to shoot us a message. I'm over at Cranberry Chats. Becca, if you want to direct those questions over to her, um, she's over at Becca Hilby. Or if you just want to send them to our podcast social media pages, Forward Farming Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, um, that would be great. Love, We love chatting with you guys. So the more questions, the better we want to make this um, as educational as possible. So with that being said, I, ooh, I think I've been rambling on just, just long enough. Um, so again, thank you guys for listening. If, again, if you ever have any questions about cranberries, let me know. Let's, let's, let's chat. I'd love to talk to you guys about it. Um, until next week, if you're not following us already, I'm over at cranberry chats. Becca's over at Becca Hilby, um, our Instagram page for the podcast for farming podcast. If you haven't left us a rating and review on Apple podcast, you can please do that. We always love reading the reviews or you can do so on Facebook too. That'd be really helpful. Um, if you want to watch this on YouTube, it's nothing too exciting, but we have a YouTube channel. If you want to watch this instead, um, again, just search for forward farming podcast. You can find us there sometimes, not always. <laughs> Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.